0: Let's use as many F words as we possibly can. Ben Franklin is America's Winston Churchill. As well as a prolific impregnator.
1: So, I, uh, okay. Big Bad Ben said that's no bueno. You know, I wanted to invent a waterproof whiteboard.
0: With his amazing feats of firstness.
1: Yeah, I would have said
0: renaissance. Thank you, Ben Franklin.
1: Earth the smart dribble. Earth the smart dribble. Come in, smart dribble. Time for an episode. Hi, John. Hi, Kurt. How are you? Well, I'm fine. It's time for another episode of Smart Dribble. That's what that was.
0: That's my favorite time of the week. Were you saying come into Earth? Were you trying to get Earth on the phone?
1: Yeah. See, the aliens love Smart Dribble quite a bit.
0: Yeah. If you look at our numbers, we have a gigantic intergalactic alien audience. So what I'm curious about is if you were trying to get Earth on the line, were you suggesting that you and I are not on Earth or are not Earthlings?
1: I think depends. Physically, we are. I think mentally and emotionally, no, there's something about us that's a bit dispatched, distant, distinct, apart from not on this earth. So, Kurt, I was doing the New York Times Sunday
0: crossword puzzle this morning.
1: Oh, way to tell everyone that you do it. Good for you. Do you do it in pen or pencil? In pencil. And I use the eraser
0: religiously, and perhaps ferociously. And I want to point out that I said that I was doing it, which is different than saying I had completed it. Because were I any good at it, I probably would have said, Kurt, I was finishing the New York Times Sunday crossword puzzle this morning. However, I did bring that up a reason.
1: I don't know what this says about me, but I always do the crossword puzzle just in pen.
0: I think it says everything that anyone needs to know about you, Kurt. Really well, it does suggest a certain confidence, self-assuredness, uber optimism. All of which, so all of those are contextually strengths, and in some contexts, not so
1: much strengths. But it does suggest a certain joie de vivre. Okay, isn't that sort of the sweet irony of life, John? That everyone's strengths is also their weaknesses, and and the opposite.
0: The Greeks believed in moderation, so if you find the right balance. But I'm glad you do it in pen.
1: I think it was Ben Franklin who said, build up your weaknesses till they become your strengths.
0: Well, I don't know if he said that. I I do know that he didn't say a penny saved is a penny earned. Who said that? He said something like it, and it became that. So, Kurt, you remember a couple of minutes ago, I mentioned that I was working on the Sunday crossword puzzle this morning? Pencil or pen? Right. The clue was this Franklin quote referred to what? The blank is a bad moral character. He does not get his living honestly. He is too lazy to fish for himself.
1: Oh, man. Some kind of bird, maybe.
0: Yes. In fact, our national bird, the bald eagle, because Franklin is thought to have advocated for the turkey as the national bird and was unhappy with the bald eagle, given it being a question of moral character. And the reason I tell you this is that you and I have been talking about some of the amazing things that Ben Franklin contributed, not only to life back in the 1700s, but life today. So we thought we would talk about some of the lesser known inventions and details of Ben Franklin's life on this particular episode.
1: Do you think that if you were to survey a hundred Americans and say, was Ben Franklin a president, how many would say yes?
0: More than half, I would guess, Kurt.
1: Yeah, I would say 70 plus.
0: Which happens to be more than half. So you and I (laughs) are in accord and Franklin was good at accords Because didn't he sign like all of the most important documents in American history? That's kind of your thing. So what were they, Kurt?
1: Well, he was the only person. I like this type of trivia, right? The only person to sign all four documents that basically gave the U.S. its freedom. And you'd think. What besides the Magna Carta? Ah, The Magna Carta, of course, was number one because he was born in 1215 when it was signed and he signed it with a little baby hand. Kurt and I are being facetious. Oh, okay. So the American Declaration of Independence. That's a big one. Requested that we are avowed and averred the fact that we are independent. Then the Treaty of Alliance with France. Please come help us in this war, which did. Then the Treaty of Paris in 1783, which was the end of the war. And then the last one in 1787, which is, of course, the U.S. Constitution.
0: Those are all big ones, aren't they, Kurt? Those are foundational framing. Is that why he's a founding father, Kurt? Let's use as many F words as we possibly can during this episode, Kurt. Are you for that? He did live in Philadelphia. And he also lived in France for a while because he was an ambassador to France.
1: Yep. I think he was the first one. That's an also F.
0: And he was from Boston, which is spelled B-F-O-S-T-O-N in Old English. <laughs> I think the <laughs>
1: French women were quite taken with old Ben Franklin.
0: Yes, he was a bit of a fashion icon back during his time in Paris, in fact.
1: And they, a philanderer.
0: Oh, and a philanderer and a fatherer to extraordinary extent.
1: What is the thing people who uh, collect stamps?
0: Philatelists. I don't know if he was a philatelist, but let me tell you, you. He was postmaster general, though. And that probably led, maybe he was a philatelist. When he was in France and he became a fashion icon, it was because there was this attractive image of America as this place of rugged frontiersmen. So he represented that to the French people. And
1: didn't he wear some sort of furry hat that was part of that whole? So not only did he do that, but the French women thought it was so cool that they tried to replicate the height of the fur hat into their own hairdos and they wore them even higher and it became the Franklin hairdo is what it was called. And when did Marie
0: Antoinette live? Because she had some tall hair before her head was cut off.
1: Yeah, she was right at that time, right? Because French Revolution was 1789. I think she lost her head in 1791.
0: Is it true that when Marie Antoinette said, let them eat cake, she was talking to Ben Franklin?
1: (laughs) No. And, (laughs) you know, I think Ben Franklin is America's Winston Churchill. Tell me more. Well, I think both are looked back upon in history even more fond than when they were living. I think that both had such an outsized impact on their respective countries in time of peril. I also think both were unbelievable Renaissance men and both had unbelievable quips.
0: Yeah, so let's just list for the record all of the things or many of the things that Ben Franklin was. He was a writer, he did Poor Richard's Almanac. Yeah. Who was Richard, by the way? Do you know? He was not wealthy. Well, Poor Richard was actually a pseudonym for Ben Franklin, one of his many pseudonyms. And that pseudonym was Richard Saunders. He was a scientist, clearly a prolific inventor, as well as a prolific impregnator. He was a diplomat, as you pointed out. He was a very successful business person. He had a print business that made him incredibly wealthy. He published and he was a founding father, which is a double F alliteration.
1: And I think he became one of these, you know, men about town, which people just hung on his every word and which is a pretty cool thing to be. And he lived a long time. So he's able to do that.
0: Yeah, I think he lived into his 80s. And I know that his print shop made him incredibly wealthy. His print shop, by the way, in a twist of irony, what did his print shop print other than poor Richard's Almanac? Money,
1: money, Money,
0: money, 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 which is why the song Money, Money, Money is actually written about Ben Franklin, perhaps, perhaps not. You'd have to go to the Franklin Institute in Philadelphia to find out the real story there. But he did print money. He printed all of the currency for Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Delaware. And the only irony there is, of course, he is one of only two people to grace American printed currency that were not presidents. So Franklin, of course, is on the $100 Hundred dollar bill, which is oftentimes referred to as a Franklin. Who yeah. is the other American on printed money that was not, not Washington,
1: president? not Lincoln?
0: Hamilton. Ten dollar bill. Hamilton. Ten dollar bill. So he is most well known, our friend Franklin, for what inventions, Kurt?
1: Well, they claim that he invented electricity, which
0: well, uh, he kind he of didn't. sorted it if you depend on how stoned you were when you watched the famous cartoon of him and the mouse.
1: Well, I think he did capture some of the strength of electricity, but more importantly, he was able to ground electricity and stop it from burning down all the wooden churches in colonial America by inventing the lightning rod.
0: That's exactly right. So it would attract the lightning and distribute it to a place other than the wooden parts of the house or building that would go on fire. But knowing that no invention is foolproof, what did Ben Franklin also do? create the first of in the event there were fires, Kurt. The Volunteer Fire Brigade. In Philadelphia, he created basically the first fire department. This was a man of many firsts. I mean, he really was an extraordinary guy. Among the more obscure things he invented that sort of appealed to me was he created The flexible, (laughs) I don't know why this appealed to me. Okay, here's why. You're looking into your future. Uh, I'm sure it is, but I also had a friend who needed a catheter recently, and I will not mention his name. He's a listener. I wouldn't do that to him. But Ben Franklin's brother, John, I believe, in the mid-1700s needed a catheter to be treated for something. And back then, the catheter was basically a rigid, like inflexible metal tube. So if you uh, were wondering how, yeah. could, how could being catheterized be worse? Well, you could have a rigid metal tube stuck into your urethra. So big bad Ben said that's no bueno. And he created the first flexible urinary catheter, which, of course, is what catheters are today. Flexible. I've never had a catheter. Have you had a catheter, Kurt?
1: I have not, John,
0: but it sounds like... Which one is- of us do you think will be catheterized first? You of course. Why is that? You're going to have a kidney stone or something. It's going to. Retire. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to admit here in front of our audience that I am a stone former.
1: So I. Uh, okay. So I'm thinking Ben Franklin had a bit of a concentration problem. This guy, and you know what? Maybe it's probably why I like him so much, and probably you like him so much. He didn't seem to take any straight paths anywhere, and if something sort of struck his fancy and or challenged him. He would invent something. So fires, I'm going to invent the first, you know, fire brigade or, huh, I'm in this book club, which is great. We ran out of books. We need more books. I'll invent the library. I mean, this guy, that's pretty cool, right? I
0: wish I could do that. I don't, I mean, our affinity for him is, uh, is no compliment to him. The difference between him and us, one of the many differences, independent of the number of children he fathered, is He actually followed through and delivered on all of these different areas. So he is a polymath. We have a concentration problem. So
1: we have this. We're we're more of the 70
0: miles wide and an inch deep. But he was
1: both wide and deep. I I agree. He was as deep and wide as this Sargasso Sea. You know, I wanted to invent in the shower a waterproof whiteboard and you come up because i come up with my best ideas in a shower you write the ideas down it's waterproof then there's a button on it you press it and whatever you wrote down goes immediately to the cloud into your computer
0: and what's stopping you from doing that i'm not ben franklin okay but ben franklin has inspired many people with his amazing feats of firstness why can't he inspire you kurt now granted while your invention would be useful It may not quite rise to the level of the bifocal or the Franklin stove in terms of practical value, but I applaud you anyway. It starts with an idea,
1: Kurt. So let me talk to you about the bifocal. So the story goes that he was sick of having two pairs of glasses because it's not a new thing. You have two pairs of glasses, distance and reading, distance and reading. So the story goes he got so upset once, it's kind of like a Reese's peanut butter cup. He cracked them in half and put them together. And you got peanut butter in my chocolate. You got nearsightedness in my farsightedness and put two together and just glued them.
0: I think it was an early mashup of two things that worked to make a new thing that works even more better. So look, the bifocals, I wear progressive lenses, which is is basically a modern bifocal. And it's awesome. I mean, it used to be that I'd lie in bed looking at the TV, reading something in my lap, going back and forth. And My eyes
1: just couldn't do it. So thank you, Ben Franklin. And I have a neighbor who I was at his house the other day who does not heat his home with oil. He still uses a Franklin stove. Tell us about the Franklin stove because that was a
0: serious leap forward in heating efficiency.
1: I think it's used today. I would say it's used today by 14% of the US still to heat their home.
0: One in seven, huh?
1: Does that work with math?
0: Okay, yeah. Exactly, actually. 14.28 is one seventh.
1: You know that off the top of your head. I do.
0: I like math, Kurt. Okay.
1: (laughs) Wow. Okay. I wish I liked math. I would have done better in life if I liked math more. So Franklin Stove used to have, you know, heat your house with your fireplace. The problem is it took a lot of wood, wholly inefficient, and a lot of the heat went up the chimney. And we don't live in the chimney, Kurt, so that's not good. Exactly right. So our boy Ben said, I'm going to make this out of iron. I'm gonna enclose it or metal, or steel, right? Whatever, or iron. Yeah. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna enclose it. You're gonna put the wood in. It's still gonna have a pipe to go out, so there'll be enough oxygen to keep it going. There'll be vents in it, but I'm gonna close the door. A, no sparks are coming out and making fires where you need his fire brigade for. B, it needs far less wood because it's more efficient. And C, I'm gonna put the Franklin stove in the middle of the room, not up against one wall in one end. So that it can heat 360, baby.
0: Well, I want to thank you both for sharing that story about the Franklin stove and making a list where you were consistent with your A, B and C and not do what a lot of people do is, A this reason to this reason, which is kind of nutty. Can anyone be consistent at least for 10 seconds, for God's sake? So thank you for your alpha consistency there, not your alphanumeric chaos. So what did you,
1: <laughs> What happens when you're writing a document and then you want to like... Liquid paper. And, ben Franklin invented liquid paper. The guy who just died from the monkeys, his mom invented
0: So who died from the monkeys? I know Meatloaf just died, but he wasn't in the monkeys. That sucks. Hey, hey, we're the monkeys. We don't monkey around. Have you ever taken the last train to Clarksville, Kurt?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Their number one hit was written by whom? Daydream Believer. First of all, the number one is I'm a Believer. I'm a
0: Believer. Daydream. What's Daydream really? Believer?
1: I don't Daydream Believer? It's a different song. Neil Sadaka, Neil Diamond. Neil Diamond. You got it right. Sweet Caroline. Do you know that Neil Diamond also wrote a cool, which we've talked about in the past year, but a cool reggae hit? I did not. Red, red wine. Oh, he wrote that?
0: Yeah. So let me get us back on track. Watch this, Kurt. Neil Diamond. Wrote that song because you're talking about him. He also wrote Sweet Caroline, which is played at Fenway Park, other venues Mm -hmm. as well, but popularized at Fenway Park in Boston, where Ben Franklin, the subject of this episode, was born. And let me tell you something about Boston. When Ben Franklin died, he left a bunch of money to his hometown of Boston and his adopted hometown of Philadelphia and he uh-huh. said, other than providing loans to tradespeople, that money is going to go into trust for a hundred years so that it could grow much larger. And that money was subsequently used to create the Franklin Institute in Philadelphia and the Franklin Institute of Technology in Boston.
1: Have you been to the Franklin Institute in Philadelphia? Yes, I have. So when I was a kid, I, I still to this day remember the greatest thing they had in there. They had a the huge, gift shop. Well, that was also amazing a huge heart that you could walk through. Right. And then they had a flight simulator that I was too young to do. And when I took my boys, one of my boys was not tall enough to ride it. So what we did is we took a baseball cap and just put it very high on his head. And we said, don't move. And that gave him about an extra four inches and allowed him to go in. Apparently, when they came out, my two boys, my younger son was all flummoxed because there's a reason why you have to be a certain height. He was thrown around inside this flight simulator for the entire time. <laughs> so you,
0: you realized afterwards that it was done for his safety, right?
1: Yes. And I, but I had him do it because I was, couldn't do it when I was a kid. And I thought, darn it. What's better than
0: a vicarious experience by a parent? So when you were walking through the heart, had you gotten stuck on the way in or the way out, you could have caused a myocardial infarction. If you cause an arterial blockage, you could have caused a myocardial infarction or a heart attack.
1: Well, I wouldn't like that. I didn't. I kept
0: moving. So that's the language, of course, of the heart. Did you know that in addition to the lightning rod, which everyone knows about, he actually had to invent much of the language that is used today in discussing electricity? So he was the first to use words like battery or conductor or electrician. He's credited with inventing like 25 words or being the first to use 25 words that pertain to electricity in one way, shape, or form.
1: I think the person that invented the most words by far is Shakespeare.
0: And I know he used a lot of words. What makes you say he invented so many words?
1: Because he did. They didn't exist before he came up with them. And it's been documented that he, in his writings, he invented more words than anyone else. Shakespeare also invented names. You know, he came up with an, a bunch of names. Ophelia, Regan, Goneril. Oh, yeah. Some of them we don't use as much for people's names, but... Would you ever name your daughter Goneril? No, because it rhymes with gonorrhea.
0: It doesn't rhyme with gonorrhea. It starts with the same parts, but rhyming <laughs> it sounds is... sounds what- like it. Okay, yes, I could see how we would conjure up a connection, but rhyming is a whole different thing altogether, Kurt.
1: <laughs> right, it doesn't rhyme. But Shakespeare came up with the name Olivia, which I love, and a oh. bunch of other names and a bunch of words.
0: All right, ready for my next attempt to bridge from what you said back to the topic at hand? So there what are... are talking
1: about? Shakespeare?
0: No. Yeah, there were a bunch of... Yeah, Shakespeare from the 1600s, him. So I know why you brought it up, because he invented a bunch of words, so did Franklin.
1: Oh, right. right.
0: Oh, right. But there are a lot of Shakespeare's work. You can find them in libraries where Franklin spent a lot of time and did a lot of his inventing. So he actually invented a special library chair that you could open the seat up and down and you could turn it into a short ladder to reach things. And if you couldn't reach those, he actually invented... One of those crazy things that these arm with a little gripper on it so that you could get books off the top shelf.
1: Isn't that what these old women used to get the cat food off to feed their 47 cats? No, that's actually used.
0: It was the precursor to the selfie stick, unfortunately.
1: Ah, yes. But he also invented the rocking
0: chair, Kurt. So that is a lesser known invention of our friend, Ben.
1: Wasn't he all about productivity, right? And some of his quotes, early to bed, early to rise, makes men healthy, wealthy, and wise. And he had a bunch of quotes about you need to work and work and, you know, idle hands or devil's work or whatever. Yet he invents the rocking chair to just chill out and have like a mint julep on a warm summer's day. Oh, he also added an adjunct to the rocking chair. It had a pedal that would have a fan go above you. So he was all about the leisure. there. no.
0: Well, I don't think you can credibly suggest that he was a man of leisure because he clearly contributed, as you pointed out, across basically all swaths of, swaths of not an easy word to say, swaths of society. So he wine was prolific beer. and Just, productive. Now, it doesn't mean he didn't enjoy leisure and didn't enjoy the occasional beer or perhaps more than the occasional beer
1: because beer is proof that God loves us, or wine. I've seen t-shirts to both.
0: Yeah, so there's a quote, you know, God made beer because he loves us and wants us to be happy, and that is attributed to our friend Ben. However, according to the Franklin Institute, and you'd think they'd know their Ben Franklin stuff, he actually never said that, but he did write in a letter the following, behold the rain which descends from heaven upon our vineyards, There it enters the roots of the vines to be changed into wine, a constant proof that God loves us and loves to see us happy. But because of our bumper sticker attention span, it now fits in a tweet. God made beer because he loves us and wants us to be happy. So I think he was saying the same thing. He just said it in a bit more flowery language.
1: I actually read once that in one of his early almanacs or one of the many things he printed, he came up with 200 words for drunk. For drunk. Yeah. And what's so funny is on a couple episodes ago, you and I were talking about our hangover cure, yeah. how many words there are for being drunk. Apparently it's been fascinating people for hundreds of years because Franklin came up with over 200 back in like 1730, 1740.
0: You know, the more we talk about Ben, if you had to pick a single adjective, which is really difficult when a man has lived a life like that. I think prolific is probably a contender for a top descriptive word for his life.
1: Yeah, I would have said renaissance but prolific is fine too. So Kurt, before we wrap up this episode, is there a fun fact
0: about our friend Franklin that you wanted to share that we haven't covered yet?
1: When he was 11 years old, he invented swim flippers. Uh-huh, that's right. And he did them for his hands. He was a big swimmer, and he was a broad, strapping man at one point. When he went to England in 1750s, he actually swam the Thames like three miles to show people that he could do it. But anyway, he's back in the Charles River in Boston. He's 11 years old, and he wants to swim faster. And he invents for the hands swim flippers. He takes wood, thin wood, and drills holes in it so he can put his thumbs through, and makes them so he can displace the water better. Swim flippers and. He was such a big swimmer that in like 1968, the U.S. Swimming Hall of Fame inducted
0: him. Posthumously, I assume.
1: Yeah, quite a bit posthumously.
0: Well, there we have it. So uh, we hope that you've enjoyed our discussion of some of the lesser known aspects of Ben Franklin's incredible life.
1: Yeah. So he was quite the Renaissance American man. renaissance uh, yes. Yeah. And you know what? pretty prototypical American in our dreams of what we think we should be or could be.
0: You know that he not only created the first firehouse, Kurt, but in closing, he also created the first hospital. He was the first postmaster general. The man had a thing for first. Now, it helps that he was alive at the start of the century, but I don't think that diminishes his extraordinary contributions in any way. All right, Kurt. Well, I've enjoyed this. You know what? I know how much you love history. Kurt and I will be back next week with another brand new episode of Smart Dribble. Thank you for listening. We hope until we see you next, your life is filled with Smart Dribble. Thank you, everybody.
1: Bye everyone.